Hey everyone, welcome to Parallel Church, one church in five physical locations. This morning I'm in Tabor joining Pastor Renee and Jill. I also want to welcome all of you joining us in Lethbridge with Pastor Ralph and Cindy. Welcome Claire's home with Pastor Brian and Heidi. Welcome Okotoks with Pastor Joel and Tanisha. Welcome Lloyd Minster with Pastor Mike and Kara. And welcome to all of you joining us online, wherever you guys are watching from around the world. Welcome to all of you. And welcome to already part five of our series we've entitled Rooted. And in this series, we have been basing it off of two uh, letters that both written by Paul to the early church. One was written to the church in Colossae. The second one was written to the church in Ephesus. And we're going to read from that one again today and launch off of there. In Ephesians 3, again, Paul's not writing the Bible. He's writing a letter specifically to the church in Ephesus. And he says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So Paul's explaining his prayer time and what he's what he's what he's praying for the church and how he's praying for the church and I love how he emphasizes I'm kneeling before the father we began this series in week one learning that God is the creator God is almighty God is all-powerful God is all-knowing he's the ever-present God who prefers to be called Father, because he delights in a relationship with us and wants an intimate relationship with us. And so God, all powerful, God, the creator who spoke the world into existence with just his words, wants to be called father. And then Paul even said that he wants to be called Abba or daddy. Wow, the intimate thing. And he, he, he's saying now I'm kneeling before father. God. And then he goes on, he says, and I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The whole purpose of this prayer that is that Paul's praying is that he's praying for strength, not on the outside only, but strength from the inner being. And he, he highlights here that this strength is going to come through the Holy Spirit. The strength is going to come through so that Christ may dwell, so that Jesus may dwell. In week two, we learned that Jesus, Christ, is God. We learned in week three that the whole, who the Holy Spirit is and the impact that he has in our lives. And we see just in the first parts of these of these verses in the first parts of this prayer that Paul is praying to the Father. He's, he's pulling on the Holy Spirit and he's praying so that Christ may dwell in, okay, in, in their innermost being, in their hearts through faith. And then he says this in verse 17, and I pray that you being rooted, there's our word, and established in love. Okay, the reason we call this series Rooted is because of this prayer and because of the prayer in, in Colossians 2. Okay, and, and he's praying in both of those prayers for both of those churches, he's praying for them to be rooted, okay, in their innermost being, strengthen their innermost being. Okay, for in, they want to be rooted, strengthened in their faith. Why? Because our root health determines our fruit health. 
Okay, your root health determines your fruit health. The, the more, and we, as we go into 2023, we've been talking about that this year we want to focus on, the word for the year is rooted, that we want to focus on strengthening our innermost being so that we can bear healthy fruit and more fruit. We want to focus on our foundation and our root health so that when storms come, we're going to have strength to withstand them. That we are focused on building ourselves up, just as Paul prayed, on our, our innermost being, strengthening our innermost being and our root health. Then he goes on and says this, that you're focused on being rooted, grounded in love, that you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. I find it interesting that Paul you know, implores and he says, I'm praying, praying to the Father, I'm pulling on the Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you're going to be strengthened in your relationship with Jesus. He's, he's Lord. He's God. That's, that's what creates our faith. I'm praying that you can be rooted and ground this. But then he says that you're going to have power, which, come on, we, we all like that part. We want to, like more power. We have more power. We want to have more authority. All that. But he says that you're going to have more power. And then here's a big word, together. Okay, and this word stood out to me. Okay, that, that this power this rooted, this strength happens together. Okay, there's an emphasis here on, on togetherness. And he goes on and he says that together we're going to discover how, how wide, how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And then he says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I like that. I want to be filled to the measure of the fullness of of God. But Paul seems to indicate that that strength, that, that rooted strength in the innermost being strength, that power that he's praying, that revelation of who Christ is and how wide and how deep and how strong his love is. And the, the fullness of God is going to come together. Okay. And I want to, I want to address today. What is the church what is the purpose of the church? And I want to challenge some of our Western mentality a little bit when it comes to, to, to church and how we see church. Our Western mentality, what you and I have grown up in and what our societies is very much based on, even if you immigrated to the, to the West from the East, there's, there's, maybe you've identified and you see this more clearly than we do, but those of us who've been raised in, in the West, we have... We celebrate, we reward, we, we think independently and an in independent mentality. And we celebrate independence. Come on, we're in Alberta of all the provinces in, in Western Canada, in Canada as a whole. We're probably more proudly independent and celebrating independence. And, th and that's okay. There's parts of that that's okay. But this independence has has that mentality that that societal thought process has now influenced our faith and our relationship with God to where we and I'm just I'm going to challenge this today a little bit that I think where we have ha, we begin to think that our relationship with God is strictly personal that our relationship with God is 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 one on one. It's an intimate thing. It's it's me. It's it's my faith. It's all about me. And so when we read this verse, I want you to see this. When when we read this verse, you know, 
And we read Paul's prayer and he's saying, I'm praying that you're going to be strengthened in your innermost being and that you're going to be rooted and grounded in love. And you're going, yes, that's for me. And that you're going to get the fullness of God and understand and grasp how wide and how deep and how wide Christ's love is. And yes, I'm praying that for me. Yes, I'm praying that for me. But in the midst of that verse, Paul says, you're going to have the fullness of God. You're going to have that strength together. And I think oftentimes we miss... The togetherness. And we miss, because of that, we misinterpret what church is. I, I want to I go right to Acts chapter 2, where Peter preaches, you know, the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples in the upper room. Peter stands up with boldness and preaches the very first message. And, and in verse 41, it says that, you know, 3,000 were added to the church that day. And that's basically in Acts chapter 2, we're reading the birth of the church. And then in verses 42 to 47 of Acts chapter 2, it gives us the activities, okay, or, or what they did, what they emphasized, the activities of the early church. And it gives us very succinctly, look at this in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, they, this is the the 3,000, uh, 3,120, the, the 120 in the upper room, 3,000 got added. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So when it says, you know, breaking of bread, that's not just talking about communion. That's literally talking about having meals together. Okay, so they were, they were devoted, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which Come on, our Western world, we've got to be devoted to the teaching, right? And we go to church for the teaching, right? And, and we, we listen to podcasts for the teaching so that we can grow ourselves. But then it says they were also devoted, I don't want you to miss this, they are also devoted to fellowship, to having meals together. They were devoted to prayer, okay? And, and it puts prayer after the fellowship and the breaking of bread. In other words, part of their togetherness was their prayer together. Not just an individual prayer, but their prayer together. Okay, and then it says, And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I love this, right? Come on, our, our church, Parallel Church, we come alongside, right, to give to anyone who has need. We help the least of these and the one another's. Come on, that's what we're all about, based on what the church did, okay? But every day, listen to this, every day, every day, every day, that's often, what they do every day, they did their daily devotions. No, 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 hold on. It says every day they continued to meet together. Okay, in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes. There, there's the meals together in their homes and ate together, okay, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that fascinating? How many times just in this, in these seven verses, how many times it's emphasized together eating and, and also how many times food is mentioned? Like, come on. 
Right? I mean, they had, they had emphasis. Come on, this is, come on, our patio parties, are, you know why we're doing patio parties and why we're having meals at the end of our service and, and a little bit of food at the, this is, you know, it's not just because it, we're the cool church. Come on, we're doing it because it says right here, right, that they ate together, that there's something that happens, a fellowship, a, a gathering, a connectedness that happens around food. But listen, I find it fascinating that they gathered together every day. Come on, together. Why did they put so much emphasis on being together? Well, because it was Jesus' Jesus's emphasis. It was important to Jesus. Look what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He said this in verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. So Jesus is now praying. We get insight into Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, but now we get insight into Jesus' prayer. And this is you know, the last recorded prayer of Jesus before he goes to the cross. So this is important. He says, my prayer is not just for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That includes, by the way, that includes you. That includes me. Okay, Jesus prayed. Come on, did you know that? Jesus prayed for you. He had you in mind. What was his prayer? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be, there it is again, one as you and I are one in them and you and me so that they may be brought to Complete unity. Whew. Complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and love them as you have loved me. Come on, when Jesus prays a prayer, how many think that Jesus prays a prayer, it's going to be answered? And I don't know that we've, <laughs> we've seen the complete unity. But this, the disciples, John in particular, heard this prayer recorded this prayer. And then because they saw how vital and important and an emphasis that Jesus put on unity and oneness. And they, they then took that and made that a part of their everyday practice as believers. The fellowship, the togetherness, the eating meals together, every day together. It's interesting that Jesus didn't pray the prayer, God keep them right. God keep them safe. Come on, why did he pray? Make them one. Pray for complete unity. And I believe that, come on, I want you to see this. I want you to get this. I believe it's because our faith is unlike all other religions. And our faith is not just a personal one between me and a God who I'm trying to impress. That our faith, right from the very beginning, our faith was all about community, togetherness, and is experienced best together. Come on. In Matthew uh, verse, uh, chapter uh, 16, it, it, look at this. This is, this is the, the launch of what we, now, what we call the church. And I want you to see this again. Familiar for, for most of us, but I want you to see this again in light of what I've been talking about. Jesus is having interaction with his disciples. In the midst of it, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Okay, and we dealt with this uh, in, in week two. 
that it's important to know our faith begins by understanding that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God. So now Jesus is pushing into his disciples and saying, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So basically people are saying, well, he's just a good prophet. Then Jesus looks at them and says, but, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And you can almost see Jesus' big smile. And he goes, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, you didn't come to this conclusion naturally. Okay, you came, this is something, this is, this is a supernatural inside God, you know, God working on you, but my father in heaven. Then he says this, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, and that rock is the revelation that Jesus is God. And on this rock, I'm going to make you great, Peter. Come on, that's, come on, that, honestly, come on, can I, can I be honest? Honestly, that's been taught because our Western mentality is that this is Peter's revelation and upon this rock, he changed his name to Peter and it's all about Peter and this, this revelation. We can get that revelation too, but Jesus used Peter to build this church. No, 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 no. He says, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Come on. Stick with me here. Peter gets a revelation that Jesus is God and Jesus says, you're right. You didn't get that on your own. You're right. And on that revelation, I will build my church. But here's something, and we've talked about it briefly. And if you want to do a historical study and it's, it's fascinating, you should see how big of a deal it was that this word here that Jesus said, I will build my church, how big of a deal it was. In fact, William Tyndale, you know, wanted to translate that word properly into what it was actually, what Jesus actually said. And he wanted to translate that word into uh, Ecclesia, which, which is the proper word that Jesus used. And instead, he was forced to put it into church. And church, when we say church, we talk about church and church is a place, a location, a, a building it, that people go to. And Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build my building. I'm going to build my, my, you know, a place to go to. Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. And ecclesia, properly translated, is act it actually means an assembly. And in particular, in, in the Greek, and they would have understood this in Greek, in particular, in the Greek, it was understood as an assembly of citizens basically gathered together for the purpose of making an important decision on behalf of the, of the community. So that's, that's an ecclesia. So Jesus is saying, hey, upon this revelation, I'm going to build my assembly. I'm going to build my community. And it's going to be an important community that's going to basically uh, intercede on behalf of the whole. Come on. Right. So I'm, I'm building my community and the community. Can, come on. The community, that community, the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. I, I need you to get this. And one of the easiest ways for me to, to maybe get us to understand this a little bit more. Have you ever heard of, of the aspen grove and, you know, aspen trees or an aspen grove forest? Um, it's a fascinating species of trees. On the surface, okay, they appear as individual trees and look like any other 
forest. But underneath is a very complex root system. I'm going to put up a picture right here. And, and in this picture, you're going to see this is, this is the largest known aspen forest in, it's in Utah. And it's called Pando, which means the trembling giant. Okay? And, and the scientists have determined that this, come on, look at, look at this, that this is a single living organism. In other words, in other words, it looks like a forest of individual trees. But in actuality, it's one tree. And they discovered this because it's identical genetic markers on each one of those individual trees. It's identical. It's one tree. That's not, it's one tree with one root system. The research showed that the individual stems, okay, can send out lateral roots that, that, under the right conditions, send up other stems, which for, from above the ground it appears as individual trees. Okay, and this process is repeated until the whole group of them appears and you know to be in it to be individual tree forms. Now you know, look at this. This next picture: the aspen tree in Utah spans over 106 acres. So that little highlighted area there—that's 106 acres. Okay, and the tree is estimated to weigh in at six million kilograms, making it the heaviest known organism on the on the planet. Okay, and it's located. What's fascinating about this, and the reason why I bring it up, is this located in an area that is frequent, that has frequent forest fires, which have prevented other coniferous trees to, to live there or survive there. Yet the aspen has not only survived, but it's thrived and is considered, scientists consider it to be the oldest living organism that we know of on the planet. So why do I bring that up? When you look at the surface at an aspen, it looks like individual trees, but it is one. And here's the benefit of that. And Jesus said this, I will build my community and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The individual trees can't survive against the forest fires. But the aspen, come on, the aspen survives and not only survives, it thrives. And it can have part of it wiped out. In, in fact, during intense fires, the forest survive, the, the forest of the aspen tree survives underground. Can you look at this? Solomon said something similar in, in, in the emphasis of togetherness and the power of togetherness that he said in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and 10, he says that two are better than one. Okay, we say this at weddings because they have a good return for their labor. But then he says this, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But if only one falls and has no one to, you know, but pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So here's pity on the trees <laughs> that are individual and get wiped out and die. But under intense fires, the, the aspen will actually go, even if the forest fire wipes out the 106 acres on the surface, it goes underground. Which, when I read that, I went, come on. How many times in history, including 
when Paul was writing, how many times in history did the church go underground? Come on, communist China, under persecution, the church went underground. And it came out, when it, when it came out and was able to do that, it, it not only survived, but it had multiplied extensively. Why? Because, listen, why? Because of the togetherness. Because of the community. that when one, And here's the power of the church. The power of the church is that when one, when one falters, when one, just like, like Solomon said, when one falls, there's another to pick up and to help out. When one aspen tree, okay, when one tree is, is, is the aspen force, what I've found fascinating is the aspen force, it doesn't need... It doesn't need fertile soil everywhere. It doesn't need a, a, you know, a, an abundant water source everywhere. It only needs it in one, because it's one root system. It can draw water from over here, and it, that will supplement the trees, the, the, the stems over here. Right? And look, look at, when one gets rain, 106 acres, when one gets rain over here and it's supplied, it'll supply the hole over here. If one falls down over here, the other ones will strengthen it up and stand up another stem. Right? So this is, this is the power of this. So in the church, come on, in the church, when Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail, what he's saying is the gates of hell cannot prevail, like a forest fire cannot prevail to a connected community. I want you to get this because here, here's, here's what I want you to understand and see. In our Western world, in our Western mentality, and, and hear me out. Please don't take this out of context. Please don't misunderstand me. Hear me out. I believe in the Western world. This is what God's been challenging me on. I believe in the Western world. We have overemphasized our private time in respect to how it, it matures our relationship with God. And we've underestimated our community time and its impact on our, our spiritual growth. Right? And I'm not saying stop having your private time. But, but hear me out. Hear me out. In your private time, you can hear from God and get revelation. And we emphasize that in, in, in your spiritual health. And I, I encourage you to continue meeting privately with God and doing all that. But don't forsake the gathering. This is what the writer of Hebrews says, the gathering together. And I'm wondering if he wasn't, didn't have us in mind as the Western world where we've put, we, we withdraw. But here, here's what I know is that in my private time, I can hear from God. But if I have a small group of people around me and, I, and I, we're talking and debating scriptures, I will get revelation. And if, I, if we pray with a group of people, I'm going, man, I'm sensing this. And sometimes what I'm sensing is last night's pizza. It's not, it's not a revelation from God. But if in my private time, I have no one to check that. But sometimes if I'm in together and I'm saying, I'm sensing this and, and somebody else is going, man, I was, I was just thinking the same thing. Then all of a sudden there's a confidence that builds up and we can build each other up and we can go that's God and we can more confidently sense the Holy Spirit and hear the Holy Spirit together so what I'm saying is hey what is the church come on let's 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 think about this as as Westerners what is the church the church isn't a place for me to individually attend to sit in a row only so that I can receive a teaching the church is a place where I can go and fellowship and break bread and gather every day with believers and I can strengthen my faith together that Jesus said I will build my community that what he was talking about the gates of hell will not prevail against the community the assembly together Another verse that 
I don't know, I've been chewing on, I'm not going to chew it on alone because we're going to do this together. Come on. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said this. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. What Jesus didn't say is when one is gathered in his private time. Come on. Jesus says where two or three are gathered. Jesus, even in this statement, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Minimum two. Right? Jesus, the, the apostles, Paul, always traveled in groups. They always sent them out in groups. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and John Mark. Like, they always sent them out in groups. There's safety reasons, but there's also something spiritually. Jesus says where two or three gathered. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not saying that you're not going to experience God or that Jesus won't be there in your private time. I'm not saying that. And I don't think Jesus was saying that either. I think what Jesus was saying, though, man, you want, you want to get the fullness of God? You want to get the fullness of me? It's two or three. You gather together. And when we talk with one another, we pray with one another, and we discuss scriptures, and we eat together, and we fellowship together, that in that we're going to see God. Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12? That we are one body but many parts, kind of describing an aspen grove. Many stems, one tree. Our relationship with God is personal, but it's not meant to be private. And I believe we can hear from God and experience God privately. But I believe, and Jesus said it, that we will best experience him in community. Here's today's takeaway is that the fullness of God, the fullness of God can only be experienced together. That's why Jesus prayed, make them one. That's why Paul said, you'll experience the fullness of God and be rooted together. Together. And that's why Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, my community. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against that. So that we can experience the fullness of God. So here, here listen. We're talking about rooted. We're talking about in the series about our inner strength. And here's what I know. we're talking about the foundations. We talked about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. Um, what the Bible is, so they understand it properly. And today I'm talking about what is the church. And here's what I want you to know. Your faith is not meant just to be personal. That we need the church. You need the church. In order to connect to the fullness of God, to get the full experience of God, it happens together. That I think, come on, I think we maybe have overemphasized our private time and underestimated our gatherings, our house parties, our connect groups, and they're saying, listen, we're going to experience life, our Sunday gatherings. It's not just once a week. Come on, every day they gathered together and ate meals together. What if that our strength, what if that when one falls, the other can lift them up? What if, what if we're one body? What if? we can draw on the revelation from one another. Let's pray.
God, I thank you so much for your word. The revelation in it, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd quicken to our hearts what is of you. And God, I pray that we would understand the emphasis and the value that you placed on our unity, our togetherness. God, that's not always easy, but I pray that you would strengthen us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to run through a prayer with you all right now that does exactly that. And it's not joining a church. It's not joining religion. This is simply just a relationship with God. So I'd encourage you all, close your eyes, bow your head, repeat this prayer after me. So dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, to become my Savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time and accepted Jesus into your heart today, first off, congratulations. This is an amazing, amazing decision. Second off, there's a link that has been posted in the comment section. Click on that link, fill out that form, this is a way for us to get in contact with you, uh, just to be able to help you out in any way uh, that you might need, especially on this new journey uh, as well. It is a way for us to let you know that this is this is uh, something that you did today. So uh, a way for us to congratulate you, help you along. Uh, and so I'd encourage you all, if you were to, to pray that prayer for the first time, click on that link, fill out that form. And again, congratulations on this amazing, amazing decision.